0: Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we do pray, please, now for ourselves. Um, as we come to your word, we thank you for this pure spiritual milk, and we pray that by it today, you would strengthen us and grow us and mature us in our faith. Challenge us, as we pray. Give us hearts that are willing to receive what you say, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, unlike every other group and fellowship and team and club and society, the church is going to last forever. Um, Antrim has loads of different groups. I imagine that if you were to go on something like Facebook and look for groups in Antrim, you'd find all sorts, sports teams, stamp collecting societies, neighborhoods in different streets, art groups, sailing clubs, community action groups, all sorts of groups and clubs and teams, and you may well be involved in some of them, and that's great. But sadly, all of these different groups have a shelf life. Even the group with the most committed members won't last forever because they're made up of people, and people don't last forever. This was brought home to me fairly recently and um, with a few other um, friends from, from school days we organized, We're beginning to think about organizing a school reunion. And we know that this time around, we're going to be at least one person smaller than we were the last time we had a reunion because one of our friends in the last few months died. And that's a very sad uh, reality. And it's kind of dawned on us that actually if we keep having reunions every 10 years, that trend is only ever going to continue. We'll get smaller and smaller, until one day um, there won't be any of us from that particular year group around anymore. Maybe you've seen that sad trend for yourself in different groups and different friendship circles that you've been involved in. Now that's a bit of a depressing thought, But it is a reality, and it's a reality which the Bible very much acknowledges. You see it here in our passage today. If you've got your Bibles open, just have a look down at 1 verse 24. Where Peter says, All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. In other words, he says... Life is temporary, momentary, fleeting. Here today, gone tomorrow. And therefore, all of these groups and fellowships and teams and clubs and societies have a shelf life. They won't last. They don't last. The church, however, is different. We know that when we trust in Jesus, we get born again into a life which never ends. We get to live forever. Uh, As Peter says in in our passage just read, we've been born again of imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God. In other words, if we're trusting in Jesus, we get to live forever. And it's not just me, and it's not just you, it's us together together. And so, unlike every other community in the world, the church doesn't have a shelf life. The church is going to last into eternity. Uh, The relationships that we have with other believers won't ever end. And so, as you perhaps uh, look around this morning, perhaps over tea and coffee at the end, uh, you aren't just the people that I spend Sunday mornings with whilst I live out my time here on this earth. You are the people that I'm going to be spending eternal life with, and you, me. And so the question is, uh, that, that, that Peter really asks for today, is, well, so what? What difference should that make to the way that we do church? Given that we're now part of God's eternal church, and that we're now part of God's forever family, given that we're now brothers and sisters together, How should we live? What difference should that make in terms of how we we relate to one another? And the answer to that, which we're going to explore in a bit of detail, is summed up for us in verse 22. One verse 22, second half. Peter says, love one another deeply from the heart. Anytime you see in the Bible those words, one another... Uh, just remember, they're not referring broadly to uh, everyone, everywhere, and to our fellow human being. They're, f- they're more narrow than that. They're referring to other believers, our fellow believers. And of course, the Bible calls us to love our neighbor, to love even our enemy. But there's a particular emphasis in the New Testament on loving one another, on loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to love one another and notice as well from the words that peter uses just how much we're to love one another i don't know if you have ever come across the kids book uh, guess how much i love you it's a really sweet little book it's little nut brown hair and big nut brown hair his daddy and little nut brown hair <laughs> says to his daddy, I love you this much. And he stretched out, stretched out his arms as wide as they can possibly go. And big nut brown hair says, well, I love you this much, even broader than that. And little nut brown hair says, well, I love you this much, putting his hands as high as they go. And big nut brown, says, well, I, nut brown hair says, I love you even this much, even higher. And then just as uh, he's dozing off to sleep, little nut brown hair says, well, I love you up to the moon. And big nut brown hair says, just as he's fallen asleep, I love you up to the moon and back. That's quite nice. It's lovely. It's lovely, affectionate dad. He's also quite competitive. And um, <laughs> I kinda like that. But it's about the extent of love. What's to be the extent of our love for one another? This much? This much? to the moon, to the moon and back. What is the extent to be of our love for one another? Well, just notice the words that, that Peter uses to describe how we should love one another. One verse 22, he talks about sincere love for one another. Sincere, that word is literally unhypocritical, authentic real. I remember hearing about a student in London, and any time that she went out with her friends for coffee, they would gossip about the uh, friend who was part of their friendship circle who wasn't there with them. And of course, therefore, she knew that when she wasn't able to have coffee with them, that she too would be being gossiped about. It was hypocritical. It was insincere. It was superficial. And what drew this particular girl to Jesus, in fact, was seeing the sincerity and the authenticity of love uh, between people in the church that she was visiting. It's a very, very attractive thing, a, a sincere, unhypocritical, authentic love for one another. Peter says we're to have sincere love for one another. He also uses the words deeply and from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. Now, it's probably worth saying that our society has got itself into a great big muddle when it comes to its understanding of love. Because our society thinks of love really just as a feeling. Love is a feeling and no more. That's what our society says. And, of course, we know that that is just a disastrous way to think because it means that in a marriage, when when a married couple don't feel love towards one another, they can give up. Or in a friendship, uh, where there isn't that same affection, uh, they don't feel that same affection that they once had for one another, they've been the friendship. It's disastrous. And, of course, the Bible teaches us that, that love is far, far more than just a feeling love does stuff so probably most famously the apostle john in his in his epistle dear children let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth true love does stuff it forgives and prays for and helps and refuses to slander and so on and so on the bible is very clear love is not just a feeling But I think here, I suppose Peter just wants to make sure that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. In 2 verse 1, he's going to show us um, how love is more than just a feeling. But here in 1 verse 22, it's almost as if he says, well, yes, but neither is it less than a feeling. Don't let the pendulum swing too far. Don't think that loving someone is only ever about what we do. Don't think that our affections for one another doesn't matter. Don't settle for doing good to one another out of a cold heart. Love each other, Peter says, love each other deeply from the heart. Love is more than a feeling, but neither is it less than that. Affection and action working together. And therefore, where we lack affection for one another... Peter calls us here to grow in it, grow in your affection for one another. Now, we might stop and say to that, well, look, feelings are static. You you can't change or control your feelings. If there's no affection there, that's it. I can't change that. And I think Peter would say, well, yes, actually, you can change it. And in fact, you must So your affection for a particular believer, it might be only the, the size of a tiny little seed and no more. But water it. Water it with prayers for that person, as Matthew was so helpfully reminding us the other Sunday evening. Water it with prayers for that person. Water it with generous words and thoughts about them. Shield that little seed from frosty grudges. Uh, Protect it from the cold wind of of resentment, and you'll find that seed germinate and grow bigger and bigger into a beautiful plant. Cultivate this affection for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. Unlike every other group of people and club and society and team, the church is going to last forever. So let's love one another deeply. From the heart. And then in 2 verse 1, uh, Peter gets really quite practical. Um, around June last year, I guess when we knew we were going to be coming here, uh, we started to make a list of uh, stuff in our house that we needed to get rid of. Uh, old batteries that you weren't so easily able to recycle that had just accumulated, old bits of cardboard that were too big for the, for the bins, this type of stuff, broken toys that just hadn't been cleared out and so on. Well, in 2 verse 1, uh, Peter gives us his list of relationship-damaging attitudes that we need to just take to the dump and bin. Let me just read verse 2 verse 1. Therefore, in other words, in light of the fact that you're going to live together forever, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, every grudge, every bitter thought because of what someone may have done to you. Every All deceit, every lie, every half-truth, every exaggeration. He says, "Bin it. All hypocrisy and envy. You know, I guess in any church, there is just going to be a difference in what different people have, in different standards of living. But so long as there's no one left out in need, there's no problem with difference. There is, however, Peter says, a problem with envy. Oh, I wish I had their house, or their wealth, or their lifestyle, or their health, or their holidays, or whatever it is. Peter says, Binnet. Slander of every kind, you know. So from the full-on character assassination to the more polite smudging of someone's reputation. Someone says, oh, Bill, Bill is, Bill is a terrific person, isn't he? And we think, well, hmm. And so we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, did you see what he did just the other day? Maybe you didn't hear about it. Did you hear what he did the other day? And I'm not one to judge. I mean, I don't know what's going on. But it's just interesting, wasn't it? Smudging of his character, of his reputation. Peter says, slander of every kind, bin because we've been been born again, and we're going to live together forever. You are my forever family, so let us love one another. Now, it's worth us saying, isn't it, that we we don't always get this right. Uh, One of my friends put it this way, that there has never been a friction-free family of God, and that is just true, isn't it? We're called to bear with one another, We don't always get it right, and sometimes we get it very wrong, and when that happens, we do need to deal with things properly and bring it to light and work it through properly and not just brush it under the carpet. But this is what we're called to do, and it's probably worth saying as well that you're only going to get a loving church like this when each person takes responsibility for their own attitude and actions towards others. In other words, we've got to resist the temptation to hear this message on behalf of someone else. Oh, so-and-so really needs to hear this message because they haven't loved me the way I've expected. Or maybe the way they should have. Well, if if, 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 if there's a church where everyone's thinking like that, that church is not going to love one another. No, we've got to hear this message for ourselves Thinking not so much, how can they grow in love for me, but how can I, how can I grow in love for my brothers and sisters? We're to love one another. But then how do we cultivate this love among us? How can we grow in our salvation in this way? Well, I think very interestingly, Peter moves on, not to give us a load of exercises to help us, but he begins then to address our diet. That's what he says in in, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. How are we to grow up in our salvation in this way, with love for one another? Peter says, 2 verse 2, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tested that the Lord is good. Uh, Pure spiritual milk there, that refers to God's word, God's word, the Bible. And it's a fantastic image for us, isn't it? You think of a a mother, uh, her milk is packed full of all of the uh, nutrients and antibodies that a baby needs to grow. And Peter says, God's word is like that, saturated with everything that we need to grow up in our salvation, to grow in love for one another. All of the motivations and encouragements and perspective that we need. And so he says uh, we're to crave uh, the pure spiritual milk like a newborn baby. And again, that's just another brilliant image for, image for us to think on. Yeah, those with, with newborn babies will know this very well, that the newborn baby... Uh, doesn't, in the middle of the night, politely tap mummy on the shoulder and say, I'd like some milk now, if that would be convenient with, with you. Um, I hope so. Um, now, it doesn't matter that it's 2 a.m. It doesn't matter that everyone's asleep. Baby wants milk. And baby is not going to stop crying until baby gets milk. That is craving like a newborn baby. And Peter says that's what our attitudes, our appetite for God's word is to be like we're to crave it so that we might grow up in our salvation and of course we're to crave god's word not because we're booky people not because we love sentences and words and ideas and paragraphs i mean we might do but we're nowhere to crave god's word because in it we've tasted something of the lord we crave god's word because we crave christ now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We crave God's word because we crave Christ, and it's God's word is where we meet him. So we cultivate love for one another by craving God's word and by feeding on it pure spiritual milk. And I think this is a really helpful corrective for us because I think sometimes as Christians, we've bought into the assumption that you're either... A Bible loving person, or you're a people loving person. And that churches are either Bible loving churches or people loving churches. And Peter says, no, that's a false choice. Because actually, if you get an appetite for God's word and we get our diet right, pure spiritual milk, That is the thing that's gonna grow us in our salvation. That is the thing that's gonna grow us in love for one another. And I think we just know that from our own experience, don't we? When do we find ourselves growing in love for one another? It's when our diet's right and we're feeding well on God's word. When do we struggle most to love one another? Often, it's when we've lost something of our appetite for God's word. So craving and then feeding on God's word, that is the thing which is going to fuel our love for one another. Without God's word, that pure spiritual milk, our growth in this area is going to be stunted. So maybe for you today, even before you begin to think about how you're doing in terms of love for one another, maybe the question to think about is, how is my diet? How is my appetite for God's word? Am I feeding myself that pure spiritual milk every day? Or am I just snacking here and there? Or am I to all intents and purposes on hunger strike? Peter says, crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. And as we feed on it, we'll grow in our salvation. We'll grow in love for one another. Just as we finish, what have we said? Well, unlike every other society, group, team, and fellowship, the church is different. The church is going to last forever. You aren't just the people I spend Sunday mornings with. You are the people that we will spend eternity with. And so we've got to be those who love one another deeply from the heart, binning all of those relationship-damaging attitudes and actions. And we're to cultivate that love by craving and feeding on God's word. That is the pure spiritual milk that will grow us up in our salvation and in our love for one another. Let's pray. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Heavenly Father, we pray please that you would give us a deep craving and hunger, thirst for your word. We pray that we would feed on it, that we would be saturated in it, we would be turning to it often so that you might grow us in our love for one another. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this new birth. Thank you that as your church we will live forever. And we pray, please, that we might live in the light of that. Give us the strength to love one another deeply from the heart. In Jesus' name, amen.